What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and today we have my top 10 lessons learned, takeaways, and observations from week three of fantasy football. We have a ton to get into, not a lot of time to waste. So with all that being said, make sure you go down below, subscribe, leave a like if you enjoyed. Let's go. Now, our first takeaway here is that the Dolphins just put on an absolute firework show, and it's kind of just been the cherry on top of what's been a crazy dominant season from them, where I love Mike McDaniel. I would trust Mike McDaniel with everything at this point. The Miami Dolphins are just on another level, where he almost, Mike McDaniel almost constructed this offense in a way to suit what he's been trying to build in the NFL here. The Dolphins are just fast everywhere. Raheem Mostert, Devin A. Chain, Tyree Kill all make up the top six of the fastest ball carriers recorded. You had Tyree Kill hit 22 miles per hour yesterday. They're having explosive plays all over the uh, all over the place. They lead the NFL in explosive percentage or explosive play rate by a billion. If we look at EPA per play, which is expected points added, just how much are you giving over what you're expected on a per drive basis? They are in a league of their own. It's just absolutely insane. They lead the NFL in EPA, explosive rate, the six fastest carrier speeds. They lead the NFL in points, rush yards, pass yards. Everyone in this offense is going to eat. Of course, we know Tyree Kill is a stud. Waddle's going to be fine when he comes back. And then we have Mostert and A-Chain. And I think that's kind of the biggest discussion point when it comes to this offense. And what I'll say moving forward is I think both guys will be startable RB2s. <clears throat> but we'll truly see how this split sort of shakes out here, where it was a uh, 51% of the snaps went to Mostert, 42% to A-Chain. A-Chain had more rush attempts, but he had less routes and less targets. I would assume things will stay sort of evened out, but if A-Chain can make a push for the receiving role, where if we look at Raheem Mostert, he had, I believe, seven catches in this game, which is the most catches he's had. Uh, the most catches he's had in an entire season, just 31 Mostert. So he's not really the pass catching guy or a guy who's ever been a pass catcher in the NFL. So if A-Chain carves into the receiving role and he turns this 50-50 split into a 60-40 or 55-45 and he becomes the 1A and he gets the pass catching work, the ceiling's the roof for Devin A-Chain who just came off a 51.3 PPR point game. Super explosive, super fast. Mostert, of course, had 45 PPR points himself, just 82 rushing yards. Uh, he had four touchdowns as well. But Agent had 203 rushing yards, which was pretty crazy. So <clears throat> both of them, fringe RB2s moving forward, both startable moving forward. I would imagine A-Chain has the most upside on a weekly basis and has the most upside to completely take over this backfield and just be an absolute monster. Now, we also have Jeff Wilson lurking in the wings or waiting in the wings. I'm not all that concerned about Jeff Wilson coming off an injury at this point. It's A-Chain and Mostert's job to lose. Jeff Wilson will just be there maybe for short yardage stuff, but just there as a breather back, unless if he shows something as insane as what Mostert and A-Chain have been doing here. Now, our second takeaway is this Jets offense was terrible, but on the bright side, Brees Hall, his opportunities are growing, which we, are, we always knew that beginning of the year was going to be a ramp up here where he's coming off his ACL, Volume's going to get there, efficiency's going to get there, and it's slowly crawling there. Now, he had a dud game with 3.7 PPR points. It was a rain game. It was against Bill Belichick. The whole offense looked terrible. But 
He set a season high in opportunities with 12 opportunities, I believe. He set a snap share, uh, a career high, or a season high in snap share at 54%. The volume's increasing. We're ramping up from the injury. I'm still bullish long term. It's just been a really rough stretch of games where they had Patriots today. They had Bills week one. Now we're also going to have, we had Dallas week two. Now the Jets are playing the Chiefs. So it's just been an absolutely insane run of games for the Jets. But things do get uh, much, much easier. Where I think I had the schedule pulled up here. But after the bye week, the Jets schedule really opens up. Where again, they go from the Chiefs this week. Then they have, after that, they have in Denver, which Denver hasn't been great this year, but still a solid defense. Then the Eagles, super tough defense. Then a bye, and then it lightens up, where it's going to be Giants, Chargers, Raiders. Bills isn't great, but then it's Dolphins, Atlanta, Houston, Miami. Final two games in the playoffs, though, are tough between Washington and Cleveland, but I think by that Week 7 bye after the KC and Philly games, there should be better days to come for Brees Hall. He's just probably not startable uh, until he shows us that he can be started on a weekly basis or not not that he's not startable but he's not anything more than an rb3 for right now now i also think that the reason to be optimistic with Brees hall is the volumes coming up i think we're also going to see a qb change here as a jets fan it's just been it's been a tough month fellas qb1 goes down with an achilles injury zach wilson's been awful the jets refuse to address the quarterback position it seems like now, I mean, we're getting reports. Rich Kamini is saying that Joe Douglas has been working the phones. We've had reports this offseason with, or this weekend with Carson Wentz and Matt Ryan. I have to assume someone's brought in, and I have to assume that anyone is an upgrade to Zach Wilson, which means potentially better days ahead for Garrett Wilson, for Brees Hall, if this offense gets a new quarterback. But nothing is set in stone when it comes to that. But again, the schedule does lighten up after the bye week. Now, our third takeaway. Is it time to panic with Derrick Henry? I usually say it's not time to panic, but with Derrick Henry, it's absolutely time to panic on Derrick Henry. He wasn't a guy we were really drafting in the offseason. Now, I will give him some credit. This Browns defense, I do want to give credit to the Browns defense. The Browns defense is on another level right now. They are just simply on another level. If we look at the EPA per play, which again, expected points added just on a per play basis, how many points you're supposed to be contributing based on your down and distance. It's the other side of that how much is the defense allowing and the Browns are in that top right area almost looking like the Dolphins where they're just in a league of their own at this point the Cowboys were up there until yesterday when they got diced up by the Cardinals but the Browns right now are the best defense by a mile and if you have fantasy players that are playing the Browns they should be downgraded accordingly now Derrick Henry of course runs into the buzzsaw that is the Browns but he saw just 38% of the snaps 11 carries and we now have Two out of three games here where Derrick Henry has under 50% of the snaps. He's dealing with a toe injury, and his yards per carry is 3.2 after over his entire career. We can see from this tweet with Ian Harditz here, he's been over four the entire time. Now, that probably stabilizes out, but this is pretty awful for Derrick Henry at this point. He is the RB18 in points. He's probably just an RB2 moving forward. That's kind of matchup dependent where he really only seems to be a good start in games where the Titans are favored, and the Titans are so bad that they're not going to be favored in many games. So rest of the year, definitely time to panic on Derrick Henry. If you can somehow sell him to someone that just sees the name value of Derrick Henry, maybe do it. But it's looking pretty tough where we know running backs, as they get older, they sort of are not even sort of. They just do take a downturn. We've seen Gurley. We've seen Le'Veon Bell. I'm not calling, I'm not calling the top on Derrick Henry, but 
it's looking like we're we're getting very close to falling off a cliff here. But I will say on the other side of that game, we had Deshaun Watson looking like pre-controversy, controversy Deshaun Watson. I don't know how else to say that, but he was really good versus a Titans defense that's not great. I will say the Titans defense have a run funnel defense where they allow the second least amount of fantasy points to opposing running backs, but they allow the uh, seventh most EPA per play in the passing game. So they're not great against the pass, but this is still great to see where Deshaun Watson, since coming back from the suspension and playing on the Browns, this was his best game when it comes to completion percentage, his highest passing yardage game, his highest QB rating game, uh, and one of like three multi-touchdown passing games for him. So he looked like himself. He looked good here. Better days ahead for this Browns offense. This was a huge, huge positive for them. Uh, now, I will say this was Jerome Ford's first game as the lead back, and we talked about it earlier. But when it comes to this Titans offense or Titans defense, they are very good at defending the run. Jerome Ford didn't have a great day, but 51 total yards, two touchdowns, 61% of the snaps, 59% of the routes. He's the featured back here. The game have got out of hand, which I, I think led them to sort of rotate in some other running backs. But Jerome Ford should be an RB2 moving forward. And then I'll also say arrow way up on Elijah Moore, where Elijah Moore... He hasn't really gone crazy just just yet. Like I know Elijah Moore, if we look at his game log here, just 11.8 PPR points so far, but he now has seven targets, nine targets, nine targets. The ADOT isn't amazing, but the volume is there. He also added three carries in this game. With Nick Chubb gone, he's going to be used more in the in the rushing game. And any wide receiver that's getting 12 opportunities in a game is going to be startable in the future. For, so Elijah Moore, for me, a very fine wide receiver three to have on your roster that once a lot of these injuries and these bye weeks come up, Elijah Moore is going to be a guy you can start and flex uh, just given the volume that he's been seeing. Now, our fifth takeaway is that CJ Stroud is a franchise quarterback. I mean, he reminds me a lot of like Joe Burrow as a rookie where he just came in a lackluster offense that he's on here with his skill position group, don't get me wrong, Tank Dell has looked amazing, Nico Collins has looked good, but we're still, at the end of the day, we're talking about this guy's offense is Dalton Schultz, it's Nico Collins, Robert Woods, Tank Dell, John Mechie, don't, I think I said Dalton Schultz already, but it's just a bunch of unproven guys and a lot of guys that are kind of like old veterans. First year offense coordinator, the, the offensive line hasn't been great, and CJ Stroud has just been absolutely amazing 20 for 30 280 passing yards beating the Jaguars two touchdowns no interceptions he's not making mistakes he's not throwing picks he's not holding back his team as someone that has seen Zach Wilson just be awful like I, I would I would do sick and twisted things for CJ Stroud to be my quarterback right now uh, let's just put it that way and if we look at the top four first three game passing yards by rookie quarterback CJ Stroud has the third most passing yards ever in a rookie quarterback's first three games behind just Cam Newton, Justin Herbert with 906 passing yards ahead of Andrew Luck. Star-studded list. To me, CJ Stroud's issue for fantasy has always been his rushing, and that's still sort of the case here, but he's a franchise guy. He has looked like the best rookie quarterback so far and looks like someone that you can like truly build around. So CJ Stroud's going to hang around for a while here. Uh, and be a really good quarterback. Now, he's also creating a passing offense for fantasy football that is good, which is all a plus here, right, where the Texans have the six most passing yards per game here. Nico Collins is the wide receiver 17. Tank Dell is the wide receiver 11. Just beautiful stuff. This is a rookie quarterback with a top six passing offense and two top 24 wide receivers. Now, will that stick over an entire year? Who knows? But it's still 
really positive sign. They're going to at least have two top 36 wide receivers, which is more than any of us really expected heading into the season. Now, we'll talk about Tank Dell in a little bit here when we get to the rookie wide receiver report, but we also have Damian Pierce, who scored a touchdown, had probably his best game uh, so far, but it's still not looking great for Damian Pierce, where he was operating at just, I believe, like, I think it was just... 55% of the snaps, you can see the two-minute drill, Singletary's in there the entire time, third downs, Mike Boone's in there the entire time, uh, didn't have 100% of the goal line work. I mean, like the early down stuff, the short yardage, he's the main back, and he did see 17 opportunities, but this just wasn't the role that we were hoping for. He's not out there running routes. He only ran a route on about, on about a third of the passing downs, which we want two-thirds of the passing downs that's elite usage so it's just tough he's the between the tackles grinder behind a bad offensive line on an offense that just sort of prefers to go through the air at this point so Damian Pierce back end RB2 rest of season if you can sell on that touchdown I think I'd be inclined to uh now next up here we have the world famous rookie wide receiver report sponsored by underdog fantasy by the way Make sure you check out Underdog Fantasy. They have these special pick'em projections where all you have to do is click higher on Matthew Stafford's 0.5 total yards here, and that will sort of set your pick'em slip for Monday night, get you a free win in there. And if you can get two of them strung together, higher or lowers on projections where their pick'em lines, they project their rushing yards, receiving yards, uh, fantasy points for some of these players, you pick higher or lower, the more you get in succession correct the more you can multiply your money. So if you get two of these pick'ems right, you get 3x your money, three of them you get 6x your money, four of them you 10x, five of them you 20x, and you pretty much essentially get a free win on the Matthew Stafford special. So make sure if you're looking for a fun sweat tonight, check it out. Use promo code RON when you sign up for Underdog Fantasy. They will match your deposit up to $500. That's only in place until October 4th. Promo code RON gets you a deposit matched up to $500. It used to be 100 but until October 4th, it will be up to $500. So if there has never been a better time to sign up for Underdog Fantasy. Make sure you check it out today. Now, when we talk about this rookie wide receiver report, we have condensed the top rookie wide receivers with 20 or more pass routes ran, sorted by a PFF grade. We have Puka, and we're just going to sort of talk about them straight down the list. Puka Nakua uh, plays Monday Night Football, so there's nothing to talk about here. Then we have Marvin Mims, who has an 83.2 PFF grade. Now, I will say this is the rookie wide receiver report. I always just sort of breeze through it, expecting you guys to know what it is. But we have each player's week-by-week -week pass snap percentage, such as the amount of pass snaps you're on the field for. Uh, target per out run, which is your targets on a per-out basis. Ideally, we want a 20 to 25% plus target per out run. Yards per out run, how many yards on a per-out basis. Ideally, we want two plus in the yards per out run area. And then PFF grade. Based on your film, what does PFF think? And if you have over an 80, that's an elite grade. So Marvin Mims here, elite across the board. But he's not getting the usage. Just 28% of the pass snaps, despite 33.3% target per out run, a 7 yards per out run, which I've just never seen before. That's, of course, not sustainable, but 83.2 uh, PFF grade. He's looked amazing. He had a kick return touchdown yesterday. On his entire season, he has 7 catches, 195 yards, a touchdown. I mean, the snaps have to come. He's been arguably their best player. Uh, on offense just in terms of making explosive plays and moving the ball and making things happen and Sean Payton refuses to give him more snaps but I'm not going to give up on Mims whether that be in redraft or dynasty because of that the talent is there the usage will come as we get later on into the season Marvin Mims probably one of the best stashes out 
right now. Then we have Rashi Rice, who I also really like. He gets a huge bump in snap percentage. He goes from 14% to 53% here. Now, of course, it was a game that had a lot of garbage time. They were beating up the Bears really bad here. But Rashi Rice has looked really good. And maybe this past snap percentage increase sticks here where he had seven targets, five catches, 59 yards here. He has a 35% targets per out run, a 2.77 yards per out run, and an 80-plus PFF grade. If we can just get his snap percentage to like 70% plus, Rashi Rice is going to be a wide receiver three or better in 2023. Then we have Tank Dell, who we sort of skipped out on talking about with the CJ Stroud stuff, but Tank Dell is a stud. I wish I looked more into his background, where apparently the, apparently Tank Dell is this Florida boy, which I always love. I love the guys with the... I don't know, like the Kodak black hair and the the gold grills. I don't know. They all look crazy. Um, I'm trying to think of some other Florida boys, but of course, like I think uh, Ocho Cinco and Deion Sanders both were. Uh, but Tank Dell is just like an absolute stud. I think that he was a Juco product, and then he transfers to uh, – I think that he actually played at Independence where they had Coach Brown, but the year after he got fired. Then he goes to Nebraska – or no, Houston. I don't know why I thought Nebraska. I think that's because of Wandale. But he goes to Houston. He balls out. CJ Stroud personally asked for him. And now Tank Dell through three weeks is a top 12 point per game wide receiver. My biggest concern was that a small, as a smaller guy, you can kind of get pigeonholed into a slot role. And then you never really have much upside from there. Kind of like a Rondell Moore. He has a 12.1 yard A dot. Where we're going to talk about Josh Downs in a second. Josh Downs is kind of falling into that role with a 5.1 yard A dot. 12.1 yard A dot. Tank Dell is winning downfield 16.7 yards per reception like that's all legit he is not just a short area slot receiver tank dell smaller than you'd hope for but is kind of a complete wide receiver in terms of what we're looking for here i don't know what the ceiling is for tank dell but i'm not sure it matters you know i i don't know what it looks like for him to be like this monster successful wide receiver in the nfl but so far he's given us no reason to uh, think otherwise of him. Now, after that, we have Zay Flowers, uh, the Baltimore wide receiver one. He had 100% of the snaps in passing down situations this week. That's really good. He had just 13 PPR points, but he had his second 10 target game in, uh, across his first three games here. Anybody getting 10 targets or more on a consistent basis, absolute stud. So Zay Flowers, not concerned with him at all. Uh, next up, you have Ronnie Bell. Uh, fun story, but that's really about it. He's sort of the next Jawan Jennings, Ray Ray McLeod. There's nothing really all that exciting there. We also have Jaden Reed, where I'm not sure what the issue is in terms of PFF. Like, he's getting skimped out by PFF, 69.1. Isn't great at all. But targets per run, 24%. Yards per run, 2+. plus. He had a quiet week, but still had seven targets. Jaden Reed looks like the real deal. Then we have Josh Downs. He has a 5.1-yard out, like we said, as a slot guy. But outside of that, sort of killing his yards per run, he looks good. Gadget roles are kind of, or even just low ceiling roles are sort of common for rookies. I think Jaden Jalen uh, Jalen Waddle had a s similar sort of usage there uh, with Miami. But Josh Downs saw twelve targets. That's what matters. He's at twenty percent targets per out run. He had his highest snap percentage of the season. Things are trending up for Josh Downs, a guy who my prospect model was super high on. I believe that he is the only elite RS grade prospect. That was drafted outside of the top two rounds among wide receivers. Then we have Jordan Addison. His routes continue to climb. Not by anything too crazy this week, but they are climbing. Nothing too crazy on the per route numbers where uh, I believe he's at, at this point, what? 17.1% target per run, not crazy. 1.67 yards per run, not crazy either. But Jordan Addison is in an offense with Hawkinson and, and Justin Jefferson. 
He is yet to see a week with less than 11.2 PPR points, less than five targets, or less than 50 receiving yards. So for that reason, Jordan Addison's doing just fine to me. Then you have Michael Wilson. He kind of looks like he improved this week, right, where his snap percentage went up, and then also his yards per out run went up. But it's sort of propped up by a 69-yard catch from this weekend. I really wouldn't pay much attention to Michael Wilson. Then we have Tyler Scott, Dontavion Wicks, Jake Bobo, Malik Heath, and Kayshawn Boutte. Kind of just guys not really worth talking about. Uh, Demario Douglas is a part-time player, but the 27.9% target per run and 1.72 yards per run are both really solid per route numbers. I'm just not really sure what the upside is with him. We also have Jalen Hyatt. He ran wind sprints on Thursday, just a 7.1% target per run. Not giving up on Jalen Hyatt, but it's not looking great. At least he's been efficient with just like one big play, but you'd have to think that with this offense looking a little bit rough against the 49ers, that they decide to start featuring him a little bit more. Then we have Quentin Johnson and JSN in similar boats. Poor efficiency, bad PFF grade, uh, but they're both commanding targets where they're both hovering around 20% target per out runs. I'm not panicking on either. Quentin Johnson should see more snaps now with Mike Williams out, and JSN should see more snaps as the season goes on. Again, not panicking just yet on either. And then we have John Mingo, who is commanding targets. 18.9% target per run is like fine. But with DJ Chark back, he went from a full-time wide receiver down to a part-time wide receiver, just a 30% pass snap percentage, which isn't great for Mingo. But I don't know that it says much about his talent. I think it's really just that DJ Chark is a veteran and gets the start over him. Now, moving on from my rookie wide receiver report, again, use promo code RON. They'll match your deposit up to $500. I have a link in the description and the comment section down below that you click on it. It'll take you straight to Underdog Fantasy. It'll use promo code RON, and boom, you'll be good to go. You can take this Matthew Stafford higher and get some sweats going for the primetime game. Now, our seventh takeaway here is that I'm not panicking on Justin Fields in fantasy just yet. Real life, it's not looking great. He had 99 passing yards, but he did set a season high with 11 rushes. And it was just a sort of a brutal game script where the Bears were never really in it. The Chiefs could just sit back, let their pass rushers get after Justin Fields, and it was a shit show. I'm still holding out hope that they figure out how to use him in the rushing game we saw last year. First four weeks were awful, and then they sort of figured it out, how to sort of mold the offense around Justin Fields. I'd hope that something similar happens here because we know Justin Fields, even if he's not the best passer in the world, the rushing is going to be there. He's electric on the ground. I think that is going to come here soon. We saw just negative two designed rushing yards in week one. One. I think that he had... No, no, no. I think he had negative one designed rushing yards in week one. He had two designed rushing yards in week two. Then he had 25 designed rushing yards in week three. So if that can just keep on going up and we can keep getting him designed rushes, then we're going to be good to go. He gets a bounce back spot here versus Denver next week, who just let up 70 points to the Dolphins. So I'm not panicking on him just yet. I've heard some people ask like if they should drop him. Do not drop Justin Fields. If you want to grab a new quarterback like a Goff or a Geno, or even you have to go deeper than that, like a, a Stafford or a Jordan Love or something among those lines to play for Justin Fields until you're confident to start him, sure, go for it. But I wouldn't drop him just yet. He does have pretty crazy upside weekly and season long. And then we have our Falcons thoughts. We give you these thoughts every single week. And it's just a rough day. You're not going to have many guys that are startable, right? Bijan Robinson has had 20-point games in each of his first starts in the first two weeks. When you put up just six points, right? The Falcons put up six points versus the Detroit Lions 
no one's going to get home. You had a dud game for Bijan, and I will say, as much as Arthur Smith has gotten a lot of flack from us, the issue isn't on him. The Falcons were second to last last year in pass attempts with like 24.4. It was historically low. It was like a bottom 10 number over the last 10 years. Now they're at 26 in pass attempts per game. That's fine. That's all we were asking for. Just be in the bottom 10. Just don't be dead last. They had the 11th most pass attempts, so we got 38. They had 38 pass attempts. And then they also have the 20th most pass plays or the 20th most plays per game this season at 63.7. So we're getting pass attempts. We're getting more plays. We're getting a faster tempo offense. The environment that Arthur Smith is creating here is actually not awful. But the issue is, is that Desmond Ritter was terrible in this game. 21 for 38, just 201 passing yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. He took seven sacks here. You get Bijan Robinson, who had 16 opportunities. You had Kyle Pitts with nine targets. Drake London with six targets. That should be enough for all of those guys to get home. Nine targets for Kyle Pitts should be more than enough. It's just that Ritter has been bad. You have to hope that he improves. Again, Arthur Smith doesn't really get the blame this week. At least the environment is better. I think better days will be ahead. And I do like the idea. It wouldn't shock me if the Falcons added a quarterback. I think it would make a lot of sense. This is just me speculating. I, and I think it's, it's such a low percentage tan- chance. You can't really factor it into the upside of these players. But it really wouldn't shock me at all. Arthur Smith has the connections if they went out and traded for Ryan Tannehill. He's been pretty bad with the Titans here. The Titans look like they are going nowhere fast. Trading Ryan Tannehill to an offense and a system that he's familiar with and just plugging him right in for Ritter, I think would help everybody. I don't know that that happens, but I will say maybe just Taylor Heineke comes in. I think Taylor Heineke would actually be, if we got this environment with Taylor Heineke, I think we'd kind of be just fine for fantasy football. So we'll see what happens. Uh, Pitts, nine targets, was out there for a lot of the routes, led the room in receptions and receiving yards. Again, I don't know that you can really ask for more from Pitts. I think that he did an amazing job. He commanded the volume. It kind of just fell on Ritter's shoulders this week with a really low-scoring game. I mean, they've at least been able to score points in the first two weeks, so maybe things do get better, but tough game all around. I will say uh, Bijan's usage was really nice, though, uh, where he goes from 63% of the snaps to 72%, now 81%, which is just pure bell cow usage. Arrow all the way up on Bijan. Now, I'll say... Our on the other side of this game, though, we had the Detroit Lions. It was just this is just a piggyback take on the Falcons, just sort of pointing out what we saw with the rookies on the Lions team, because I'm sure you guys are kind of curious there. But Sam Laporta was an absolute monster. He had a 16% target share in week one, 18% target share in week two, 36% target share in week three. Now, of course, that target share is not going to stick, but he's been a usable tight end in a landscape that has been awful in terms of tight ends. Like Larky says here. Laporta is now a top six fantasy tight end rest of season. He's commanding targets. He's running routes. He's looking good. If you have Laporta on your team, congrats. You have a tight end. Then we also have Jameer Gibbs here, who wasn't great. Jameer Gibbs, I think, had under 10 PPR points, but it was a tough game script where the Lions weren't at a deficit and didn't really have to score points either. Like, I believe that they won 20 to 6, so it wasn't like it, it wasn't the track race that it usually is or the track meet that it usually can be in Detroit here, but the usage was great. 18 touches was amazing. 80 rushing yards is nice. 60% of the snaps is great. That's all you're asking for. The passing game usage just wasn't there because, again, their opponent had six points. They didn't need Jameer Gibbs to run a bunch of routes that they did. In week two, I still love Gibbs. I'd be buying anywhere. People are freaking out when it comes to Gibbs. Now, talking about rookie running backs, we have a couple I want to touch on here. First up being Kendra Miller. Uh, Kendra Miller had just 4.4 PPR points. He had 10 touches, just a 34% snap share. Wasn't great for him, but there is some reason for 
optimism here, where this was his first game off of an injury as a rookie, but this is perfect usage to complement Alvin Kamara, where Tony Jones was actually the two-minute drill and third-down guy, where Kendrick Miller was the early down and the short yardage guy, which is the complement to Kamara, where Kamara is going to be the passing down guy, the two-minute drill guy. You want a grinder between the tackles that's going to mix in on the goal line. That's what Kendrick Miller is. So while Jamal Williams is on IR, Kendrick Miller is going to have a role here with Alvin Kamara in this backfield, and that's exciting. He could be like one of these, you know, Latavius Murray's, Mark Ingram's in Europe's past with Alvin Kamara, and that's been a decent role. You can start as like a fringe RB3 with monster upside if Kamara was to ever go down. And then our other rookie running back I wanted to touch on, Zach Charbonnet, where Charbonnet had a career-high 11 opportunities. He had a career-high 44% snap share, and this is what we wanted from Zach Charbonnet. He gets the usage we're looking for. Where we wanted to draft Charbonnet in best ball. We were drafting a lot of him, even in seasonal, we were drafting a lot of him with the idea that he was brought in for passing downs and goal line work. And that held true this weekend where he had all the two-minute drill snaps and he had two of six of the goal line snaps. He had two of six of the short yardage snaps. Just everything we sort of want. It's not completely there, but it's trending to that area. The more Charbonnet plays, the more they phase out DJ Dallas. They make this a two-man backfield. I think for now, Zach Charbonnet is starting to carve out an RB3 type of role. You can start in certain situations with monster upside. If Kenneth Walker was to ever go down, I would say arrow pointing up for sure when it comes to Zach Charbonnet. Now, our last takeaway, it's not quite a drop list, but it kind of is a drop list. It's just, it's just a pour one out segment here where you can just pour one out for all of these players, pour one out for Antonio Gibson. I liked Antonio Gibson this this year, uh, but it's just been absolutely brutal. This was the game script of all game scripts for him to perform. He had seven opportunities on 63% of the snaps. He had 28 routes run to Robinson six. This was the game script where they are trailing to the Bills all game, and he did not get home. He can be safely dropped. Then we have another running back. Pour one out for A.J. Dillon. He had just eight more snaps than Patrick Taylor, who was like a practice squad guy that they brought on with Aaron Jones not playing. And in his last three games this year, he has 5.6 PPR points, 7.3, 3.3. He is sadly droppable. Then we also have Rashad Bateman. Pour one out for Rashad Bateman. I don't know. I'm If I have him, I'm not dropping him just yet. If you're in a shallow league, well, let's say the two wide receiver, one flex league, it's like 10 people. Rashad Bateman can get the boot there. He had less routes than Nelson Aguilar. He had less targets than Nelson Aguilar. The only excuse he has right now is that he's dealing with hamstring tightness, but this is now injury number 342 for Rashad Bateman. There's really only, only so many injury leeway, and you know he has to ramp up from injury you can give Rashad Bateman until it's time to say. Maybe he's not a difference maker in the NFL. Again, I play in deeper leagues that are like 12 men, and a lot of those high-stakes leagues are like 20-round drafts, right? So... I'll be holding on to Rashad Bateman where I have him. But if you're in a shallower home league, absolutely, you can cut ties from Rashad Bateman. Uh, it just really sucks to see. And I'll hold that L high. I mean, Rashad Bateman was a guy I really liked. Uh, I don't think the door is completely closed on him. But it is certainly not looking good here for Rashad Bateman through three weeks. So that is going to do it for us today. Uh, I'm going to get out of here so I can upload this video as fast as possible. But I enjoy or <laughs> I enjoy you guys watching. I hope you guys enjoyed watching. I know that this is my favorite video to make in season. I know a lot of you guys really like uh, watching this video as well. So if you enjoy, leave a like, subscribe, make sure you check out Underdog Fantasy one more time. Underdog Fantasy, promo code RON, get your deposit match up to $500 
There will be a link in the description in the comment section down below. But if you're already signed up or you're in a state where you can't play underdog, likes, subscribes, all of that stuff goes a long way. So as always, I will see you guys in the next one.